is up, everybody? Welcome back to First on Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Saturday, April 29th. Sorry I didn't say the date in last episode, but last episode was our draft episode, and right now we are currently, I think, like 90 or 80 picks away from the end of the draft. So pretty exciting stuff there. I will brag my my stuff, or I will strut my stuff pretty soon here after I ask Matt how he's doing. But we are back in person. Matt is back on the pod today. If you didn't listen to the last episode, he was not on the, the mock draft episode. It was me and Ishan. Ishan is one of my good friends from college. But I am back home for this weekend, and we are in person. So hopefully the audio sounds a little bit better than usual when we're on Zoom. But yes, the draft has almost concluded. Obviously, the first round is really all people care about at this point and at all. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be kind of recover, or recapping some good picks, kind of who won the draft in, in our opinion, and also teams that lost a little bit in the draft. And then we're going to be going over the trades of, well, the trade of Aaron Rodgers and then the re-signing of Lamar and also just how the Ravens did really well overall on Thursday. I mean, they signed Lamar on Thursday and then they had a pretty good first round in the draft. So kudos to them. But we will be talking about all those things today on this episode. And then probably Monday is when we will get into our NHL and NBA recap of the first round of both of those playoff fields and those those first round series for both of those leagues because most of them are done by now most of them in the nba are done by now we still have the kings and the warriors that are going into game seven so we're going to wait until that game is finished after tomorrow night to kind of recap the whole entire first round of that there's more nhl series that are still going on but i think most of those will probably be done or at least in game seven if anything by the time we record our next episode. So we'll be able to get more of a holistic view on that. And yeah, that's what we're, what we're going to be doing today and kind of the outlook for the early part of next week. But I've got Matt on the other end here, sitting right next to me, actually. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, lots of stuff has has transpired, especially with regards to, I mean, obviously the NFL draft. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is now a Jet. And as a Packers fan, I will, I will be able to share my thoughts on that. Uh, Eric Lamar Jackson has signed a new deal as well. And these are two topics that we obviously has been stirring around in the NFL for a long time, but both things that because they weren't kind of finalized yet. And there were so many other things going on with, you know, with March Madness and then the masters and then kind of, you know, suiting up for the NFL draft. And, and then obviously the NFL, NBA and NHL playoffs starting, we kind of didn't really get any time to talk about, but it just so happened that both of those things happened in the same week of the draft as well, which is usually what happens. It's usually like, cause a lot of plays, I was reading articles and, and, and listening to podcasts and stuff that were pretty much saying like, up until the day of the draft, like the Lamar thing is probably going to happen. Obviously, Rogers happened, I think, on Monday afternoon, so it was a couple days before the draft. But, uh, but yeah, most people were like, the Lamar deal is going to happen, you know, whatever it ends up being, and then that's really what happened because I feel like when it comes to kind of either the days before the draft is kind of when you know teams can make a trade and then be able to say, okay, now with our new players, this is how we're going to kind of you know figure things out for the actual draft, or you can trade draft picks, you know, day of for a player, similar to like what happened last year with the tennis, uh, the Titans and the Eagles, where they traded AJ Brown during the draft. And obviously we saw how that ended up for the Eagles. Uh, but, but right. So I think it was, it was kind of a perfect uh, ending in that both of those topics that we kind of wanted to get to for a while. And again, there were so many rumors flying around as, you know, Aaron Rodgers wants out and, you know, how, what are the, what are the Jets going to give him? And then it kind of never happened, you know, it was sitting there for a couple months and nothing ever happened. And then you had Lamar and, and everything that has been going on, all the drama with that, where is he holding out? Out? Is he, you know, are, are they going to give him the deal? Is he going to get, you know, traded somewhere else? So, uh, so it, it was kind of nice that both of those things happened at the same time as the NFL draft last week. Uh, yes, as Hayden mentioned, I wasn't on the podcast before, mostly because, and you guys probably heard it. Ishan is he's a beast, man. I mean, he replaced yeah, me he better than better than I could have done myself. So, uh, so shout out to him for for helping us out with that. Um, and yeah, and so that's that's kind of. I guess all I have for, for right now, but yeah, like Hayden said too, I mean, obviously lots of drama with uh, the hockey and basketball playoffs that are going on right now, but we'll kind of have a, a, a separate episode probably early next week. Once the second round begins for all those recapping all the storylines and, you know, Dylan Brooks versus LeBron and, you know, Giannis losing to the heat and all that. I think that there's a lot of stuff to talk about there. So we want to kind of give it our, give it its own episode while we focus on the NFL draft, you know, kind of as it's closing out today. All right. Now it's time for me to strut my stuff. Uh, regarding our last episode, like Matt said, the last episode was done just me and Ishan, and we did a whole first-round mock draft. If you haven't listened to it, 
you probably don't want to go listen to it now because the draft is almost over. But I would recommend maybe go listening to it just to just if you want to fact check me and just in case you want to make sure that I'm telling the truth here because I did in fact pick five picks correctly in the first round. Now the way that we did it was I went first with the first pick, Ishan went second. I went third, Ishan went fourth, and so on. So he had all the even number picks. I had all the odd number picks, except for 16 and 17. Ishan had 16 and 17 because he's a Steelers fan, so he wanted to pick the Steelers pick at 17. And so he gave me 18 and 19. So that means that I was the Lions pick. I did pick for the Lions at 18, and that, that's one of the ones I got right. So I got Jack Campbell right going to the Lions at 18. That's the first one that I got. Uh, that's the first one I want to reference just because that was the weird spot where we doubled up on two pick or on four picks there. I did get the uh, Bryce Young pick right. I don't really want to count that, so that is one of the five. But I guess if you don't want to count that one because it was blatantly obvious that they were going to go with Bryce Young, then I'll call it four that I got right. I did predict Will Anderson going third. Now we didn't do any trades in the in the mock draft, but just just because trying to predict trades is so incredibly hard if you watch the first round of the draft you would know there was so many swapped picks in the first round just in the first round it's nuts it always happens almost every year but this year it felt like there was even more of that in the first round especially so I predicted uh, Will Anderson going to the Cardinals he ended up going to the Texans but he still went at the third pick so I still count that as a win for me because I feel like it's it's harder to predict when a guy will go in the first round rather to what team he'll, he'll go to. So I picked Will Anderson going third uh, to the Cardinals, but he went to the Texans, but still he still went third. So, I, again, I count that as a win. I also pre- predicted uh, Peter Skaronsky to go to the Titans. That was a pretty – I feel like that was a pretty easy pick. I mean, they really only had two ways to go. It was, it was probably either going to be quarterback or offensive line, maybe corner. They had a chance to go corner, but there was uh, – Devin Witherspoon got picked – uh, as the first cornerback off the board. So I didn't really think that they were going to go. I thought maybe they were going to go Christian Gonzalez there because Christian Gonzalez fell really, really far. Uh, but, yeah, they ended up taking Peter Skaronsky, which is the guy that I had them picking in the mock. And then last but not least, down at 29, this was – I said this on the podcast. Like, this is towards the end, obviously, because it's pick 29. So if you want to go find it where I say this, but I, I literally said I was like, I have no idea who to go with here at the Saints pick. So I'm just going to pick Brian Breezy because he's one of the best available. Uh, he, he's he's like normally a first-round guy. In, in some mock drafts, he was a first-round guy. some mock drafts, he was a second-round guy. But I kind of just threw that pick out there as like, well, they kind of need a defensive tackle. They kind of need a lot there in New Orleans. But I threw out Brian Breezy as that pick, and he, he it ended up hitting in the actual draft, which was really hard to believe. So, yeah, I, I guess I should give my, myself credit there and, instead of putting down my pick as – just some random thought that I had, but yeah, it was, it it was pretty cool to see that. So again, five picks that I got right. I'm pretty proud of myself there. Unfortunately, I don't think Ishan got any right, but he was really close on a few. I can't really put my finger on any of them right now, but yeah, I mean, he, he had a really, really good draft in the first round. He went with some guys that, again, that went close to his pick. So uh, kudos to him on that. And again, big thanks to him for coming on for that episode. But with that being said, we are going to move into our NFL draft analysis now. So I think the first thing to start out with here, and I, I was going to say, or I said it before, um, but I guess this is kind of going to be a little combination of, of the topics that we have today. I just want to talk about the Ravens, what they've done over the past couple weeks slash, uh, you know, last couple weeks to one month. Obviously they got Odell before anything. And then once they got Odell, that, that kind of signaled that they were going to keep Lamar, right? I think Odell definitely would not have gone to the Ravens if it weren't for Lamar saying that he would that he would go there. Now, there was a report that came out that essentially said Lamar told the Ravens that he would consider signing with them if they got both D-Hop and Odell in, in one, essentially. And I think the Ravens told him, well, we can only get one, and we'll go do that for you right away because we want you to sign as quick as possible. So they went and got Odell, and they didn't get D-Hop. And I don't know if they made a deal with him and said, is that okay? And Lamar said it was okay. I don't think that they did. I think that they just went out and got Odell. And they were like, here, we've got one, and this is all, all we can do if we're going to pay you all the guaranteed money that you want. Now, we haven't talked about 
the Ravens and Lamar really since the whole this whole thing started, right? Because we didn't want to talk about it almost every you know every other podcast and just keep on dragging it on and dragging it on because we knew that this was going to happen. That he was it was going to take a long time and get to this point where right around draft time, you know, we we have all this news come out with um, obviously with Lamar signing on the first day of the draft, and then they go out and get Zay Flowers at pick twenty two in the draft, which was. An incredible pick. Actually, Ishan ended up picking Jordan Addison at this pick for the Ravens because I had already picked Zay Flowers at 13 for the Packers. So if if I hadn't gone with Zay Flowers there, he probably would have gone with Zay Flowers at 22 for the Ravens, and that would have been a right pick for him. So he, he was there with the with the right position, which was good for him. Um, but I, I think this is a great – I love Zay Flowers, and I just love what the Ravens are doing. Obviously, they were able to get through all that turmoil that <laughs> – that Lamar was giving them. Lamar's a great player. I don't I don't know if he was worth everything that they went through to get him. Obviously, now it's a done deal and so it's it should be worth it at this point. But they just maybe it was just more of like a publicity thing and Lamar just wanted to make it known that he should be respected as one of the best players in the NFL, but I feel like he already is to a point. So, I don't really know what kind of what other point he was trying to make with all this, but it it all turned out well in the end. And I I think that's kind of what we should what we should focus on again. Zay Flowers is a great guy. Is a great pick. Uh, he's he's only about five nine, I think five ten maybe, but and he's he's probably I don't know one hundred eighty pounds. But I mean he's one of the fastest guys in the draft, and he's almost like a Ty- Tyreek Hill type. If you didn't listen to our analysis in last episode, I'll give it to you now. He's yeah he's basically just like a Tyreek Hill type. Uh, he doesn't ma- run many underneath routes. I think he, he's on, he's he lined up outside for. Boston College for most of his career, I think there, and that's pretty interesting because obviously he's a five foot nine receiver who you you wouldn't really expect to line up on the outside, but he's a great receiver. Uh, he can go up and get the ball just like Tyree Kill can. Sometimes I look at Tyree Kill and I just wonder how he's able to go up over defenders and still make the catch. That and go up over defenders that are taller than him and still make the catch, but he does it, and I think Zay Flowers is going to be able to do that too. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not saying that he's going to be able to do that rookie year, but I think he's going to he's going to turn out to be a very similar player to Tyreek Hill. And once you add that to this offense with Lamar, that it has been run first for a while, but will probably turn into more of a pass first team. That now that they have Odell and Zay Flowers, they want to feed those guys and, and keep them happy. I think this is a great pick for the Ravens. Um, I, I want to know Matt's thoughts on the Ravens. Maybe he wants to go a different route because he wants to talk about Lamar later, but I thought this was just a perfect time to kind of gel together both the Lamar situation and the draft into one just to start out the podcast with kind of a, a dual a dual aspect to it. Well, so yeah, so to go back, right, at the end of the season, so I think the Ravens started out um, like 8-3 and three or something, and then they went, I think, like 2-7 like and seven to end out the season or, or whatever it ended up being. Um and so th- there was kind of, and Lamar didn't play. I think he, I think he was out like the last six weeks of the season or something like that. So there became, there became this kind of growing uh, notion that, or narrative that it, it was, it was either he's hurt, right? Which is obviously if you're hurt and injured, you can't, you can't play. Or he was kind of playing on that he was hurt when he wasn't really hurt enough to actually not play in these games, but was essentially holding out in anticipation of this happening, right? Where there were contract disputes and it was a contract year for him. You know, they picked up his fifth year option, all this stuff. And, you know, he knows that he needs to get paid uh, because, you know, I mean, he was an, an NFL MVP in his second season. And obviously the Ravens are kind of, you know, nowhere without him. I'll get back to that a little bit later. But so that was kind of the, the growing you know, narrative is that like, what, what is the truth here? Is he really holding out because he wants to prove to the Ravens that, Hey, you know, if you don't have me, then you probably won't be able to win all these games. And we saw that almost come to fruition in the playoff game where the first playoff game, first round, it was the Ravens and the Bengals, right? So now that was obviously two divisional opponents and they actually played in week 18 as well. So they played the last week of the season. Uh, the I think the Ravens won, but again, it was like the Bengals already knew that they were going to be, they basically already knew they were playing each other. So it was kind of a wash, right? And then we get to the first round of the playoffs and realistically, you remember that, um, that, that goal line play where the Ravens were winning the game and they're going for basically a QB sneak at the one yard line. And Tyler Huntley, his arms are just like six inches too short. And, uh, and, and, um, and, and the, and the Bengals basically just force a fumble and run it by all, run it all the way back for a touchdown. There was no more scoring in the game. The Bengals win the game and go on to the AFC championship. And, you know, 
there were some calls in the AFC Championship that could have led the Bengals to a second straight Super Bowl, right? So you think about kind of the, the, the sliding doors moments of what happened in that playoff game, but the argument is, right, coming away from that, if the Ravens had had Lamar Jackson in that game instead of Tyler Huntley, what could have been the difference? I mean, essentially, obviously, I, I think they would have probably gotten that touchdown that Tyler Huntley kind of failed to convert on. But I think that, too, just having him throughout the rest of the game as well, because of how good the defense was and it was holding up, you know, the, the Bengals offense and Joe Burrow really wasn't as effective as we thought he was going to be. That's the a perfect example of a place where, you know, the Bengals had so much hype coming off the Super Bowl run of last year. They go into this year and they're, you know, they're putting up, they started all right, it started a little bit slow, but then, you know, putting up those numbers and, and you know, Jamar Chase got going and that offense was 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 great. And then it's kind of like, you know, they're they're on the road to I mean, at this point they've played in three straight AFC championships, right? So you you kind of think about it in terms of like that's that's a pretty big deal, uh, especially because, you know, if if you don't if you have Lamar in that scenario, you probably win that playoff game and who knows where they could have gone after that. So that was kind of the, the, the genesis of this whole like you know, what 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 is going to happen based on, you know, what we've had so far, you know, to end the regular season as well as what we're going to kind of think about doing, uh, you know, as, as we go into next season. And so obviously just the rumors and, you know, the contract details and the trade proposals and everything just started flying for really the past three months ever since, you know, that playoff game transpired. And it was literally, it was everything from Lamar Jackson wants a bigger deal than Deshaun Watson, which again, just to kind of go back on that, if you're confused on kind of where we're at in this whole scenario and why there was so much, you know, stuff going on with Lamar, you probably would have figured it out by now. But essentially what happened two years ago was when Deshaun Watson's on the Texans and then he had his little incident, well, 22 incidents, uh, and then got suspended for an entire year. And, well, didn't play slash got suspended. But um, but then, right, the, the Browns were basically like, all right, we're going to throw every single precedent out the window. They gave Deshaun Watson a $200 million fully guaranteed contract. That's the first first time that's ever happened. It made him the highest paid player in the NFL. And really just kind of sent shockwaves around the NFL as to what kind of the new standard might be when it comes to paying your premium positions, which of which quarterback is, is, is the most premium, paying them the most the most possible money, yes, but also, you know, upping the amount of guaranteed money that they're going to get uh, because, you know, obviously we see, and, and this is just not to go off on a tangent, but like NFL contracts are basically a, a mystery that the world still has not, has not figured out yet. Uh, and, and, and so in, in a lot of cases, like you, you'll see, you know, when Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago, he got the five or the 10 years for $500 million. Right. I don't know how much of that was guaranteed, but it definitely wasn't all $500 million. A lot of that is, 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 kind of made up of incentives and bonuses. Now, incentives and bonuses, that could be, you know, throw for 5,000 yards in this season, throw for 40 touchdowns in the season. It could also be win a playoff game, right? Win a Super Bowl. So to to kind of go off of that again, Patrick Mahomes at this point is probably, <laughs> he's probably going to max out that $500 million because obviously as we've seen, you know, the success that he's had since then. But, but that just goes to show like, they, they, if a quarterback signs a huge deal, you know, they're only getting a certain portion of that. And it used to be a lot less than it is now, but because of that Deshaun Watson deal that the Browns did, it kind of set the precedent going forward for what we're going to do in terms of when it comes to paying a, a, a quarterback, a star quarterback in the league, this much money. Right. And so that kind of gets to where we are now It's like Lamar Jackson is obviously, you know, definitely top 10 quarterback in the league, probably top five uh, for, you know, just com combining everything, his age, his athleticism, everything that he brings to an organization. So he is worth one of, you know, the biggest contracts in the league. It deserves to be, you know, and, and kind of reset the market resets every time a new quarterback is signed. Right. So, um, and we saw that with Jalen Hurts the, the the week before Lamar Jackson got his deal is Jalen Hurts became the highest paid player in the NFL, right? And so you think back to the Patrick Mahomes deal, that's a cheap deal basically, right? So in the, in the moment, it's like, oh my God, this is historical. This is crazy. Like, why would you do this and pay this guy all this money? And now you're essentially paying Patrick Mahomes less than you are Jalen Hurts. Now, obviously, they both faced off in the, Super, in the Super Bowl last year. So clearly, you know, both of them deserve the money that they're being paid. But at the same time, you're paying less now to Patrick Mahomes than you would have had to if you'd put him on a five-year deal, right? Or you know, less money or something that he would have had to negotiate for and you negotiate down and whatever it may be. So that's the genesis for all of this, the whole Lamar Jackson thing. And I didn't mean to go too long and explain the backstory, but that was kind of the, the idea, right? And so you, you get at this crossroads and the main crossroads is the fact that A, Lamar Jackson is a very principled man, clearly. And he said, you know, basically I want either as much or more than Deshaun Watson got because I'm a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. And then the Ravens on the other side were like, well, we don't really want to pay you that much money because we, you know, if, if we pay you that much money, we won't be able to spend on other areas where, you know, the Ravens defense has been great for the last, you know, 
ever since they won the Super Bowl in like 2002, right? Uh, and so for the better part of 20 years, the Ravens defense has been amazing. And then, you know, that's less money that they can be able to spend on players. He already didn't have a great receiving core, and that's less money that they're going to be able to spend on receivers in the future as well. So there's kind of, you know, the, the clashing forces here. But at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of like a, you know, it, it's kind of like a game of chicken because – Lamar is willing to hold out and not get paid and not play football uh, in order to kind of be a man of principle and want his money and get his money paid to him. Well, as, whereas the Ravens are kind of just like, we're not going to pay you that money and we'll kind of figure it out. Uh, and so it's like both sides have it, it, usually at the end of the day when, it, when these, you know, negotiates and contracts and trades and everything like that, it comes down to who has the most leverage. And in this case, I think neither of the teams or neither of the sides had leverage, or at least both, both of the sides had a, a point of leverage over the other, right? Which is Lamar is like, Hey, if you, if I'm not playing for you, you don't have a quarterback. And you were lucky to get to the playoffs last year because of what I did during the regular season. When I was playing, you saw what happened in the playoff game. We didn't win that game in a game that was very winnable for the Ravens. Right? So at that point, Lamar is like, Hey, if you don't pay me, you don't have a quarterback. You're not going to make the playoffs. Good luck. And the Ravens are like, well, you know what? We're going to save a bunch of money on cap. We can pay probably pay another quarterback because we have a good defense and we have good weapons on the outside. We have a good running game and offensive line and everything that kind of is included in there. We can pay, we can pay another quarterback, not as much money. And you know, we can still, kind of see where we're going with that obviously Tyler Huntley did a gun up job to lead them to the playoffs and you know was one like half a yard short of winning a playoff game against the uh the Bengals in the first place so that was kind of just what happened and at the end of the day they end up you know agreeing on stuff now with the contract details right was I think it's five years I don't know exactly the timeline but it's 260 million dollars total and 185 million dollars guaranteed now obviously Deshaun Watson got 200 million so it's not as much of the Deshaun, Deshaun Watson deal uh but very, very close to that and, and more than what Jalen Hurts got in basically the, the, the week prior. So whether Lamar was waiting for Jalen Hurts to get his deal or, you know, for that to kind of set the precedent of what we're going to be now paying quarterbacks in these huge deals going forward, or whether it was just, hey, Lamar was like, all right, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I have money now, but would I rather have zero million dollars or zero dollars at all or another hundred and eighty five million dollars? You know, at the end of the day, I think that's a pretty easy decision to come to. Great for Lamar for being a, a man of principle and wanting his money, you know, as much as he said that he wanted. But at the end of the day, too, like whether the, whether the Ravens succeed or not, you're still getting that hundred eighty five million dollars. So it, at the end of the day, it's kind of like he, he he had to take it. But I think the do, you know, the Ravens kind of played to what he wanted. Hayden mentioned the, the DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham thing. They got players around him now. And that has been kind of the, the, the biggest problem with the Ravens, you know, ever since Lamar got there, he's had to do it all himself. I mean, you had J.K. Dobbins in the backfield and Gus Edwards, like, okay, these are, you know, meh players. And then the receiving core has been nothing. Rashad Bateman is okay, but he's been acting as their number one receiver. So now you bring in, obviously, Odell, you have Rashad Bateman coming back, and then Zay Flowers, who, like Hayden mentioned, his best, his, his best comp is Tyreek Hill. I think this offense is really really good, really, you know, solid going into next year. They were actually kind of the team that I was, that I was really hopeful for. That was, that was kind of like my number one buy team going into last season. I, you know, I bet they're over on the season win total. Um, I won it by half a game because they won nine, you know, they won 10 games and it was nine and a half. But I think it, you know, it's, it almost, I almost feel better about, you know, this season where you're not going to have the turmoil that kind of Lamar was dealing with last year. Uh, you know, they play in a tough division, but I think that they, they did all they could to set up for success in this scenario. And now Lamar's paid and he's happy and, and both sides are going to, I think it's going to, they're going to go on as if this didn't even happen, which it kind of feels weird to say because it's been like two months, two straight, maybe even longer, almost three months of just negotiations. And, and Lamar, like there was that thing, remember Lamar was like, oh, I requested a trade and it was like, nobody said yet. And then John Harbaugh's up there in the press conference and they're like, did he request a trade? And John Harbaugh's like looking side to side, like not wanting to say anything. Like it's just that whole situ situation was so weird, but it's, it's, it's going to, it's, it's, it's for naught now. Right. Because everything worked out. So yeah. So that was long winded, but hopefully it makes sense as to kind of what happened behind the scenes the past couple months, as well as now we have a, a happy ending to the Lamar saga. And I think the Ravens are really poised for a good season next year. Yes. Thank you, Matt, for, as usual, given the, given the backstory and the whole, the holistic view, as we like to say, that's, that's the word that keeps on coming back to mind, but that's why we say it in our intro. That's why it's our slogan. So uh, yes, thank you for, to Matt for doing that. And it, it will be interesting because like Matt said, he, and if you were listening to the podcast before the NFL season when we were kind of just going over our preseason thoughts on everything and going over our win totals and everything like that. Matt was really high on the Ravens last year. I'm assuming that he'll probably be even higher on them this year. If, if he was high on them last year, there's there's no reason not to be high on them this year, coming into this year, this next year. So, yes, uh, thank you to him for that. But I will say, and kind of, kind of go, just going back to the draft, because we are, I mean, we have given 
a really, really good analysis of that whole Lamar thing, which, again, it, it, great for him, and I'm really happy for him because I'm a huge Lamar fan. He's one of my best – one of my favorite players in the NFL uh, at this point. I mean, you know, Tom Brady's retired, so he's probably – he's probably a top three favorite player in the NFL for me right now just because he's so fun to watch. But one thing I will say about – the another thing that I will say about the first round was the, the weird dynamic of cornerbacks. It, this is – this just really confused me. Now, first of all, the first cornerback to go, I already said this, but it was Devin Witherspoon to the Seahawks at five, which the Seahawks, they, they kind of need a lot of things on defense. I had them in the mock draft. I had them going with Jalen Carter. I thought they were going to try to pick Jalen Carter before the Lions could pick them at six. The Lions ended up trading their sixth pick down or to the Cardinals, and they ended up trading down with the Cardinals. So they ended up not even having the sixth pick, which – Seattle might have known at that point that the Lions were going to trade down. I, I'd really like to know, and this is kind of off topic a little bit in terms of the, the players that were drafted, but I would really love to just sit in the draft room or like the team room at the draft in the first round and just see who's making phone calls, what teams are talking to each other. If there are any rules against that, I, you could probably look it up and see what kind of rules there are, but I feel like there's not that many. I mean – and even if there are, there are there's got to be guys that are making some kind of phone call, like some kind of incognito phone call or no caller ID number kind of deal with you know with with other teams and kind of just talking about who they're going to get or talking about who they're going to trade with and kind of strategizing that way. Obviously, teams don't want to help each other out, but they're all kind of in the same situation in the draft. So I, I feel like that dynamic would be really cool to to know about and obviously most of the general public will not know what that's like but I, I there has to be some kind of some kind of communication between GMs and also and you know assistant staff and everything like that everybody that's in a draft room on draft night especially in the first round there's got to be t- communication between teams that is either secret or public or whatever but it it just seems that so, everything always works out for teams in a way obviously there's some teams that seem like they don't really know what they're doing in the first round. And I'll get to those a couple of those in a minute here. But uh, yeah, so Devin Witherspoon was the first quarterback to go to the Seahawks. I thought that uh, Christian Gonzalez was going to be the first cornerback off the board. A lot of mock drafts had Devin Witherspoon going before him kind of like the week leading up to the draft. Devin Witherspoon kind of passed Christian Gonzalez in a lot of mock drafts. I didn't really know why, but obviously those guys were right because Witherspoon ended up going, a whole uh, 12 picks in front of Christian Gonzalez in this draft. So he ended up going to Seattle. Seattle also, if you guys don't know, they also got Tariq Woolen in last year's first round or in last year's draft. And so, uh, and Tariq Woolen's also a cornerback and he was basically neck and neck with Sauce Gardner for the whole entire season for being uh, defensive rookie of the year slash rookie of the year. So, uh, yeah, so he was, he was a really, really good cornerback. They're essentially the same player, him and Sauce Gardner. But Devin Witherspoon's a, a different type of guy. He's, I think he's about 5'11", maybe six foot, but he's one of the hardest-hitting cornerbacks you'll ever see play the game of football. He's, he's not quite a ball hawk. He, he goes for the ball a lot, but I said in, this, in, in the mock draft episode, and I'll say it again, he reminds me a lot of Trayvon Diggs in the way that he plays. So I don't know if it was the best pick by the Seattle Seahawks there, but they ended up getting him, and he's a great player. Um, obviously, if a lot of mock drafts had him going before Christian Gonzalez, there's a reason for that, and maybe that's just because they knew what NFL GMs were thinking at this point. But I think it was a pretty good pick there uh, with, with with Devin Witherspoon. But the thing I'm interested in is once you get down to the 16 and 17 picks, right? So you've got Commanders, they were at 16, and the Patriots were at 17. Now, if you don't know, I am a Patriots fan, so I am going to be a little bit biased here. But I'm actually so thankful, <laughs> like so incredibly thankful that Christian Gonzalez fell to 17 to the Patriots. Because here's the thing. The Commanders had a very good chance of, of drafting good Christian Gonzalez. He was still on the board at 16. They ended up going Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. If you don't know who, who Emmanuel Forbes is, he's a six foot, 165-pound corner. Now, the average I would say the average weight of corners at this point is probably in the 190s, 200s. I mean... Your, your taller, skinnier guys are probably more in the 190s, but the shorter, kind of like stockier guys, those are those guys are probably closer to the 200s, right? I mean, you you got to be 
one of the fastest players on the field to play corner. And Emmanuel Forbes is really, really fast. He's got a really long body, long legs. He, he looks longer than he is. Uh, he looks long, He looks taller than six foot on the field just because he's so skinny and he doesn't weigh anything. Like, to put it into perspective, uh, he weighs less than one of my roommates who is – like, one of my roommates is basically his size. And, I mean, the kid has a lot of muscle, my roommate does, but we were just talking about it. We were like, dude, this guy is – he weighs less than you. Like, that's insane. And he's getting drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. But I don't know why the commanders went with Manuel Forbes. Obviously, they saw something in him that's promising. He is the best ball hawk in this draft, or he was the best ball hawk in this draft, I think, by far. A lot of people were making that assumption about him, saying that, okay, he is 165 pounds, but if the ball's in the air, he's always got a chance to make a play on it, which is a great thing for the commanders. But I don't know why you don't go with a guy like Christian Gonzalez at 16, especially when he's still on the board at 16. I don't think a lot of people expected him to still be on the board that late. And so if you have a chance to go at a guy like Gonzalez and not let him fall to the Patriots at 17, I don't know why they didn't go for him. That was That's kind of the biggest confusion of the first round, in my opinion, was why the commanders went with Emmanuel Forbes, Forbes and not Christian Gonzalez. Christian Gonzalez is one of the most – complete quarterbacks cornerbacks you'll ever see. I think he's six one, uh, close to two hundred pounds, maybe like high one nineties. And he's he's one of the most fluid players you'll ever see on the field. So I don't know I don't know why they went with Emmanuel Forbes. It, it just didn't really make much sense to me. But I guess uh, I, I guess we'll we'll see and and hopefully the commanders will be able to beef him up a little bit so he won't get crushed out there. I mean you're talking about a guy that's just going to get thrown around, even by receivers at this point, because he's he's still one 165 pounds. If he can get up to like 180, then he should be fine. But they're going to have to do a lot of work with him uh, leading up to this offseason. And that's another thing. That's kind of this is the last thing I'll say about cornerbacks. The thing that you want to focus on, especially when there's this small of a time period between now and when training camp starts and when things really start to ramp up for the preseason of the NFL. I mean, we're talking like to three months at most that, that you have to, to put 15 pounds of muscle on this guy. That's not something that you want to do at, at this point. You want a guy that's going to be that like Christian Gonzalez is going to be at that weight and height that you want. And at that athleticism that you want to where you can literally just tell, just have, have him learn under the veteran cornerbacks that you already have and have him learn how to, you know, how to make plays in the NFL, how, how NFL offenses work, because it's a lot different than, college offenses it's a lot less scripted than college offenses are so you want him to be able to kind of get used to the play and the level at which NFL players play because it's a whole different ball game than college is but now you've got to focus on getting him up to speed on on you know plays and play recognition awareness and the NFL is a lot different too you got to get him up to speed on that in the mental side of things as well as you've got to get him up to speed physically too that's just what scares me about the commanders in this in this pick here. We'll have to wait and see, like I said, but I just I don't see how they could have gotten with Emmanuel Forbes when Christian Gonzalez was still on the board there. That's just kind of my my take on things. That was the most surprising thing in the first round for me. Matt, what what you got for this for this part of the segment? Um, I mean, not much. I, I feel like I, I can't really talk for ten minutes about Emmanuel Forbes like you did. So you know, I, I think that's that's kind of buried by uh, by by all the great and great analysis you did. I think probably what we should do now is just kind of go over some winners and losers, which is probably what we should have planned to do to begin the episode. But we kind of just started started recording. We just hit we just hit the button. We see what happens. All right. So um, yeah, Hayden mentioned the Seahawks, and and I will agree. I mean, obviously, they are probably a winner in many buddies in, in many, many people's books. So I'll count, I'll count that as, as Hayden's winner that he just gave away. Um, if he has more than I was going to say, maybe we can do like one each one, one winner, one loser each, obviously. So just to summarize, obviously. Yeah. So the Seahawks got, um, they got Devon Witherspoon as their first pick and, you know, cornerback very great as, as Hayden detailed there, Jackson Smith and Jigba was the 20th pick. So obviously kind of bolstering their receiver room there. Uh, Derek Hall linebacker at, and I think it was 37th overall pick and he's from Auburn. He's a, he's a, you know, he, he's, he's a great player. And then they got Zach Charbonnet, who was a running back from UCLA. He also played at Michigan to start his career. So I, I think the Seahawks really kind of stole the draft here, at least in the kind of the first part of this. The only thing is that they passed up on, on Jalen Carter at six, which a lot of people are kind of going back and forth. Like, you know, should he have gone that high? Obviously you have the off the field concern with Jalen Carter, but 
I think that the biggest weakness for the Seahawks was that they, I think they, they allowed the most rush yards per game in the NFL last year. I think it was like 150-something yards a game uh, You know, they allowed on the ground. And it's like, okay, getting a guy like Jalen Carter, who is, by many people's concerns, like the top overall prospect you know, in terms of talent and, and potential and everything for this draft – Yet you kind of skipped over him, and then you got a point. You got three out of your four picks were were on were well, not three out of four, but you got a good cornerback, you got a good linebacker, uh, and then you got a receiver and a running back, and and none of those really addressed the kind of uh, stopping the run concerns. But I, I do think that just in terms in terms of what they have building there in Seattle. Um, Obviously, you know, they kind of had a great draft. And then I'm probably going to steal the other easier one, which is the Eagles, obviously, who <laughs> were basically like, okay, so um, – and it's so funny how all of this – all the draft is, you know, it's all synthesized. And, you know, so much analysis goes into it, so much math and calculations and formulas and trades and who's picking who and everything. And it's like, at the end of the day, what what is the point of the draft? The point of the draft is to draft – is to pick the best players out of college, okay? And what happens when – a a team like Georgia, who for the last two years has had the best defense in probably the history of the sport, all right, goes on to, you know, those players obviously graduate and they go on to the NFL. And so what is the logical thing to do? Well, the logical thing is to pick those players because they're the best defenders in the entire world, right? Uh, and that's exactly what the Eagles have done. So it's almost one of those things where, you know, it, the 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 simplicity of what the NFL is sometimes comes to now. Obviously, I know I'm not an, I'm not a GM, all right? I, I, I never really want to be. I think it'd be a cool job to have, but it's, it's probably more stress than you ever want to deal with. And I don't think you, I mean, you definitely don't get paid as much as, you know, like, if you're a high-level executive at a you know at a big at a big company or whatever, but anyway, it's it, it's it's simple. Pick the best players, and if Georgia had the best defense in the history of the sport, then you should pick a bunch of defensive players from Georgia, and that's exactly what the Eagles did. Obviously, they got Jalen Carter, so they traded up to get Jalen Carter. He was, I mean. He is what he can be. And two, you know, the off-the-field concerns with Jalen Carter is one of those things where you probably just need to stick him in, a, in an environment where he can be coached up and mentored by older players who have done this forever and they know the ropes. And Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are probably the ideal candidates to do that. And so I think that was kind of the, the, the maybe the reason why the Seahawks passed up on him because they don't have that veteran presence who's going to be able to kind of take him under their wing and, you know, kind of, you know, make him into the player that he has the potential to be. So obviously they got a great pick there in Jalen Carter. And then the end of the first round they drafted Nolan Smith who was you know outside linebacker from Georgia he was actually the number one overall player recruit from high school I think three years ago um and so of course you're going to want to you know get him as well and then um what else are they looking at they had who was the other one one one, I, I while Matt's finding this one thing I will say about Nolan Smith and this is absolutely insane is I think he's a he's six three or he's like six two and a half or something like that so we'll just say six three 235 pounds and he runs a 436 40 which if you don't know that's faster than most wide receivers i would say in yeah. in the draft and he's a linebacker yeah which is he's, insane. he's an ultimate yeah. athlete now the tough part which i think and a lot of people had him going higher i think in the in the mock draft that hayden and ishan did i think they had him going around 10 i think it's over under like if you're betting on his over under prop i think it was like 11 and a half or something so it was like is he gonna be a top 10 pick is he not he ended up going 30 which is late and i think the only reason for that is because in hayden as hayden mentioned his athleticism is off the charts but he's kind of he's he's like in that weird zone where he's not he doesn't have like a, a, a true position. Like at in college he played outside linebacker, but he you know, he rushed the passer off the edge and, and you know that's all good. But I think it's almost like he's He's almost too fast and small to be at defensive end, uh, but he's almost he's not big enough, uh, I think, and he's almost too fast to be an outside linebacker. So it's kind of like he's he's gonna be he's gonna have to be some sort of hybrid. But again, I mean, the Eagles got to the Super Bowl last year. Their defense was amazing. They had the most sacks and the third most sacks in the history of the league last year. Like they're gonna figure out something for him to do, right? So I think you know at the end of the day, he he's in a good spot now. Yeah, I'm, honestly, I'm thinking that he's gonna become almost like a. Um, like almost like a Jamal Adams type guy where he plays safety. Like they might they might try to train him up on coverage a lot and make him into kind of mold him into a safety to where he can, but then bring him down a lot and kind of act as like a, almost like a nickel safety and blitz him off the edge every once in a while and and almost bring him down as like a linebacker slash safety hybrid. I think that's what they'll do because he's so fast. But. Yeah, and so the other guy that I was looking for, which I knew, but I I didn't. I just had to look at the screen really quickly. It was Keely Ringo, who's a cornerback from York, from Georgia, um, as well. He, he, I think, kind of show he like, he showed out a lot in the cha- national championship two years ago when Georgia beat Alabama, um, and. And he kind of had a bad season last year, and I think he's kind of. I mean, there's there's definitely holes in his game, which is the reason why he went, I think, third round. Uh, but again, 
one of those things where it's like at the end of the day the nfl is kind of simple it's like georgia had a historical deep so now they actually have five because they drafted uh jordan davis and nicobe dean from georgia last year in the draft and the first two picks as well so they now have five of those starters from that georgia defense which is considered as the best in the history of the sport five of those players are now on the eagles defensive roster and it's like that, that's really good, but it's like, why can't other teams figure this out? I mean, similar to what Hayden was saying with Emmanuel Forbes, it's almost like these teams outthink themselves. And, and, and again, a lot goes into this. And there's, I mean, there's there's people that literally sit at a screen all day and, and, and like literally crunch numbers and look at, and they've created all these like algorithms for, for how an adjusted player's shuffle, 10 yard shuffle is, is going to be over the long term, you know, turn them into, into a great NFL player. So I'm not saying that I'm better than any of, the, any of the analytic, you know, stuff that goes on like that. But I'm just saying that at the end of the day, it's, you know, you want to pick the best college players. How about you go or how, you want to pick the, have the best NFL team. You pick the best college players. And, you know, a, a great a great way to do that is to just pick the team or pick the players from the team that was the best and really the best ever in terms of the kind of that, that side of the ball. So for me, the Eagles are definitely a, a team that won the draft. And I mean, Hey, they also made it to the Super Bowl last year and were three points away from winning it. So um, I, I would say, and after signing with you know, Jalen hurts and everything. And today they also got uh, Deandre Swift from Georgia or from, well, he, he is from Georgia, but he, he, but he played for the lions first. Uh, so, and we might probably talk about the lions in a little bit, but yeah, they're kind of just bolstering this roster that was already, you know, good enough to go to the Super Bowl. Um, the odds actually actually switched too. So prior to the draft, the 49ers were favored to win the NFC. And, and we'll get into some 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 future NFL stuff and, and whatever. But I, please do not put any money on the on the 49ers to win the NFC. And 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 I've already bet their season their season win total under 11. And they're not going to win an 11. Their, their quarterback is Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. Like what, unless they made some some crazy trade, like they're not winning. They're not going 12 and five with Sam Darnold. So. You can miss me with that. But anyway, the Eagles have overpassed or passed over uh, the the uh, the 49ers in terms of the favorite to win the NFC. So they're doing something right, obviously, the draft. It makes it seem easy when you're picking the best players from the best team. Yeah, and they were a really surprise playoff team from this past year. And obviously, if they surprise people last year and they just get better during the draft, I, yeah, I think that's a great um, great analysis by Matt. My, winner, my other winner of the draft, again, Matt kind of said that the Seahawks were – I kind of hinted towards them being one of my winners in the draft, but I think another winner of the draft here uh, is the is the Cincinnati Bengals, which is kind of interesting. They had the twenty eighth pick in the first round this past year because they've got they've been so good over the past couple of years, and the farther you make it in the NFL season, the farther down in the first round you are. Obviously, that how that's how it works. But uh, they got Miles Murphy, which he, he's an edge guy from Clemson. If you don't know what edge means, really, it's 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 a guy that's coming off well he's coming off the edge of the line but uh he's usually like a pass rusher a, a more athletic guy than like a down lineman but miles murphy is more of a down lineman but he also has the athleticism to, to be an edge guy as well if you need him to um he's more of a hand in the dirt type of guy so he'll he'll line up in like that three to four technique in my opinion i, I think that's probably what the what the Bengals will do with him but beefing up that Bengals defense is something that you want to do obviously that offense in cincinnati is they're set I mean, you don't really need to add anything to that offense except for maybe offensive linemen. But I think that they did some of that in the offensive. I mean, in the offseason last year. So they're kind of straight on offense. But defense is where they needed help. They got Miles Murphy. And then I think it was in the second round, they got DJ Turner, who is a cornerback out of uh, Michigan. He's one of the smallest guys in the draft. I think he's 5'11", 170 or something like that. He's super, super small. But he runs a 4'2'6", which a 4... A four-two-two is the fastest forty ever run, like fastest official forty ever run at the NFL draft or NFL combine, and he ran a four-two-six at the combine this past year. So he's he's incredibly flat fast. He obviously makes up for his lack of size with his speed, and they were able to get DJ Turner in the second round. He was more of a second round projection. I don't, I didn't really see him going in many mock, mock first round mock drafts, if any, um, and so I think. That's he, he kind of they kind of took him where they were expecting him to be, but that was still a great pick for them. They got you know a cornerback to to beef up that secondary because the secondary has also been a little bit questionable for for the Bengals, um, especially with Eli Apple uh, in, in that secondary, just kind of like giving him some some cushion there with uh, with DJ Turner drafting him. I think it was a great pick, and I think that Miles Murphy is a great pick too. They got him at the bottom of the first round. Miles Murphy was. Projected as a first-round pick in most mock drafts, so I, I think that that was a, a great 
win there by the Bengals, and they're just getting better. That's kind of why they're my one of my wins for the draft because I could go with a team like the Texans, who had the second and third pick as a result of, of trading up from 12 to 3 um, right after their second pick, but I'm not going to go with the Texans because I don't know how they're, how that's going to fare for them. They're not really in a position to win right now. So I'm picking a team that's more of an, more in a position to win that's just gotten better. Um, and so with that being said, my, my loser of the draft here is unfortunately the Packers. I, I'm sorry, Matt, but I do have to go with the Packers. They went at 13. They went with Lucas Van Ness, who's an edge guy out of Iowa. He – He's really good, and um, I didn't really watch much film on him, so I can't really tell you much on him. He's good. He's one of the one of the better pass rushers in this draft, but they needed a receiver. I think if they would have gone Zay Flowers, that would have been perfect. They need. I feel like they needed to help Jordan Love as much as they could. Um, at pick fifty in the second round, they got Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. I have no no clue who that guy is, so I can't tell you anything about him. So they did get a receiver in the second round, but I think that the Packers missed a huge chance to get. A really really good receiver they almost Jackson Smith and Jigba almost fell to them but unfortunately the Texans stole it um stole it from or no whoever the car no, no he was available because Jackson Smith and Jigba went t- went 20th the Packers oh yeah. 13th they had all the receivers right. available, yeah so, yeah yeah they didn't um, even take Smith and Jigba that yeah that that was the thing that I was that I was thinking that's that's why I picked uh that's mainly why I picked the Packers as being the loser of the draft because they had a chance at JSN but they didn't get him so yeah yeah, I mean, well, and Hayden mentioned, you know, the, the Texans um, having a high upside. I'm going to pick them as my number one loser, and it's mostly because, and again, I'm into the, I'm, I get pretty deep into it, especially when it comes to the betting stuff, and, and a lot of the statistics and everything around this trade that they made to go up to three, uh, basically with the combination of everything in terms of the, 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 Money in the contract, the, the the future assets they gave up in terms of picks uh, to the, to the Cardinals to move up here. The, essentially, Will Anderson needs to be Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, or Von Miller. It is it's basically it. Like hall, almost not Hall of Fame level, but pretty close to that. Uh, in order for this pick to be worth it, because of how much money. Because it, essentially, and again, I don't know how any of this works, but I just see all these graphics on Twitter and. It's 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 people that I respect and I know that they're actually now they're not just like putting out this this random com- content but but the, they traded away I think the the evaluation of like almost a hundred million dollars worth of picks and I, again I don't know how this I don't know how the calculations work but all I know is that you you essentially need Will Anderson to be one of the best defensive players of his generation in order for this pick to be worth it and he, he might be but I don't I can't say for sure that he is and especially with a team that's like. I don't know. I, I think they wanted to win the draft, so they got C.J. Stroud, and then they and then they, they traded up to to get Will Anderson. But like this team is not good, man. Like they don't have a good offensive line or a good defensive line. And you go, you know, a linebacker and a quarterback. All right, great. But C.J. Stroud is not going to be good next year because he doesn't have. There's not a good team around him, and it's 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 similar in in a lot of cases where the best quarterbacks end up being the the, the quarterbacks who either get picked early and have a lot to work on and they end up working it out and, and being good or quarterbacks who sit behind another NFL starter for a while in order to kind of learn the game and, and how everything's played before getting a chance to start, you know, on their own. And and none of that is going to happen here for the Texans or, or anything. And like, I think they're probably, I'm going to say this now and we're going to check back on this in like almost a year, 10 months from now. Um, I'm going to say the Texans are going to have the worst record in the league. Now, obviously that's not going on on the limb by, you know, by any stretch of the imagination because obviously you have a rookie quarterback and it's, you know, it's his first year and they're going to be, He's going to be learning a lot. They're not expected to go out and win the division, but it's like this team is really bad. And and just getting a a star quarterback who has no weapons and no protection, as well as a defensive player who, you know, is was probably the best defensive player in college for the last two years combined. Like, okay, great. That's awesome. But he's not going to make the defense better. He's not going to stop you know, the Jaguars from winning that division is, is what it comes down to. So I don't I don't like how the Texans wanted to make it seem like they were, you know, going to be doing all these crazy moves and getting all these really great players. But it's like they also kind of mortgage their entire future on just Will Anderson. And for the, for, for that, I, I don't know. I mean, I it, it could be, again, this could all work out in the draft picks they have in the future and the Texans become great. But uh, for what it was on its face, I, I, don't, I don't like 
how they did things at all and and just getting a star offensive and defensive player who who won't individually change the nature of the team just by being rookies and, and good like these I don't, I don't know I mean the team last year was horrible uh they're going into this year and I mean you know I, I, yeah, it's a lot and and two they should have had the number one pick to begin with because they were literally losing the game to the Colts in the week 18 of last season the entire game and then they randomly score a touchdown go for two and get it and they win the game with the Colts to now get the, so that the Bears have the first pick and they traded to the Panthers or whatever. Um, but it's like it's just like a perennially losing team made more losing plays, in my opinion, and I don't think it's going to work out at all, and, and I, I don't have any hope for the Texans. Yeah, I totally agree with Matt in the overview of this. Like, the overall look of the situation is really bad for them. But I will say that Will Anderson pick at three, Will Anderson, by almost everybody's analysis, almost every draft analysis – um, or draft analyst and everybody that knows draft well was saying that Will Anderson is the safest pick in this draft in terms of you're not really taking a risk with this guy. You know what you're getting. You know he's going to be good because he played so well in the SEC at Alabama, which the SEC is the best conference in college football. So he was going up against the best competition in all of college football, and he was so dominant for so many years that you you know what you're getting and you know that he's going to be good. But I do see where Matt's where Matt's coming from. He has to turn into a generational player right. in order for it to be worth it. Yeah, like, you, you, he may be the safest player in the entire draft, and that's all well and good. Yeah. So, like, whoever ends up getting that player is is getting a really great player. That's awesome. But, like, mortgaging your future for this player is probably not the best idea because while he's the safest player, is he is safe worth next year's first and second round picks? I don't think so. And, again, maybe maybe it is. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, but, but and, and okay, you, you draft a cornerstone of your defense. I get that. But, like, at the end of the day, it, you know, that guy is not going to – and he didn't play that really that well at Alabama. He was actually a Heisman finalist two years ago at Alabama. Last year, he was okay. You know, and obviously he's going to work his butt off and he's going to do all this stuff. But it's like he can be the the best defensive player in the draft and he can be the safest pick. And he, he, even in his, in, in his interview, like when he was walking uh, with, with Susie Colbert after after he got picked and he's like, I'm going to work. the I'm going to work harder than everybody else in the entire world. And I know that. And it's like, that's good. I mean, obviously, he's a great player. He has a ton of motivation. I love that. Like, you that is a guy that you want to be on your team. I don't get me wrong. Like, it, it's a great pick that they made. But giving up all that they did, I don't think is going to be worth it at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Also, speaking of guys, Matt mentioned guys, how quarterbacks turn out in the NFL, either getting drafted early and being a bust, or sometimes being good and figuring things out right away, or being a guy that's drafted later on and then be turning out to be really good because they're sitting behind a veteran QB that teaches them and shows them the ropes and everything. The guy that did that, or that, that happened to, was Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers. He sat behind Brett Favre for a long time in Green Bay, obviously, and turned into one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And he got traded to the Jets recently this week, which was not very much of a surprise. I I said it was going to happen from the start. Uh, I, I remember talking about it with, with Matt and our dad. And I think – I don't know what our dad said, but I, I know Matt thought he was going to stay in Green Bay. Maybe he was just wishful thinking there, but – I called it from the start. I knew that he was going to go because that relationship in Green Bay was just – it was way too broken at, at this point. It's just – there was there had been so many breakups and then makeups after that. It, right, he got traded to the, to the Jets. Now, one interesting thing about this trade, and I saw – I caught a glimpse of it, and I'm not totally sure. So if, if Matt could maybe fact-check me here, but I'm pretty sure they signed him for two years, right? It was, was it a two-year deal? Or, yeah, yeah, it was a two-year deal, but essentially what's happening is they're not paying him any of the money until the second year. Yeah. So he's getting in his second year at New York, which will be the 2024 into 2025 season, he's going to be getting $104 million just in that year, which is – you could say that that's the highest paid year for any NFL player ever by $50 million, but it's it's not really because he's not, he's not technically not getting paid – this year, but he will be getting paid with all those endorsements and everything like that. So that's the interesting part of this of this trade, in my opinion. Um, obviously, I guess we can talk a little bit about what we think the Jets will do in the AFC this year, if we want to talk about that. I'll let Matt take that away, and then I'll kind of give some comments on that. But I just wanted to kind of preface this with, it's yeah, if, if you see something about Aaron Rodgers making $104 million in one year, it's because he's not getting paid his first year there. It's because he's getting paid all of his money, that fifty-two million annually, um, all in his second year at New York. 
Yeah, I mean, so it is what it is. You know, I'm a Packers fan. I love the Packers, and and you kind of right as Hayden said, we kind of saw this coming. Um, I, I'm not it going to the playoffs all of the last however many years that he was there. You know, they were in two of the last three NFC championships, and and it was really every every point along the way since the Super Bowl in 2010 has just been the inability to convert in the playoffs, and it's one of those things where you know. It, you can believe in something to continue to do well as long as you want, but when you don't get any result, any of the desired results that you want, then it, it, it becomes the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing and expecting different results, right? Now, obviously, I'm not, I'm not, you know, that, that sounds deeper than I think it really is, but just in terms of how I'm thinking about it, it's kind of like those. They were really golden years, and there were a lot of times when I went into the beginning of the season and I was like, the NFC North is 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 done i mean the packers have already won the nfc north they're probably gonna get the one seed in the nfc and you know we'll see what happens in the playoffs and that happened for a lot of years in a row which is fun because pretty most sundays out of the year you know you're 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 kind of like nice this is good this is what i expected whatever uh but but at the end of the day you know if he wants to go to the jets then that's that's totally fine i will say though in the trade Obviously, they switched picks this year, so Green Bay went from 15 to 13, and the Jets went from 13 to 15, uh, but in in summation, uh, or in, inclusive of what are the other trade deals details were, so the Packers got, obviously, they switched picks uh, this year. The Packers also got the Jets' second-round pick from this year, and then they got the, they got, it's, it's confusing to explain, but basically... The Jets' 2024 second-round pick, but if Aaron Rodgers plays at least 65% of the snaps in with the Jets, which he probably will, uh, then that pick becomes a first-round pick. So essentially, and again, I don't know how the algorithms work and how this is all calculated, but what I heard was, and which was widely reported, is that the Packers got what the equivalent is of basically a third overall pick. Now, again, I don't know how any of that works, but hey, I'll take it, right? I think, and, and there was kind of, everyone's going back and forth on Twitter and whatever. It seemed 50-50 in terms of like who won the trade and who got, so I'm at least happy that the Packers got a lot in return for Aaron Rodgers, which is which is good, I think, because like, obviously if they were, if they were to trade him to another team, they would have gotten a lot of assets anyway. But the fact that, Aaron Rodgers came out and said that he didn't want to be there anymore, but he was still under contract. That was the key point, right? So if his contract was up, anybody could have just signed him, right? And he would have just taken the best deal and the Packers would have been left with nothing. But instead, they basically get two extra draft picks and one of those be, well, one of them a second round pick and one of them a first round pick, essentially. So um, I'm happy with it. Again, it is what it is. It's the end of an era. Okay, cool. Um, Jordan Love is, is going to be what he's going to be. I don't expect him to be great right away, but Hayden mentioned at the beginning, like, Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre and then was amazing. And Jordan Love sat behind Aaron Rodgers for about the same amount of time that, that Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. And so, you know, this is kind of just the third version of that journey, which I'm I'm totally fine with. And, you know, he'll probably need some work and, and some time to, to, you know, to get better. Uh, but I think, too, the Packers are, are definitely going in, on, like, full in on a run-heavy offense. Obviously, you know, you still have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, they drafted a tight end in the second round as well. Um, the uh, Luke Musgrave, the tight, end, the tight end from Oregon State, who's really good. So I'm kind of happy with, with, I think, the way things are going. It's a little bit different. Obviously, it's going to be different when, you know, a Hall of Fame best quarterback in the league basically leaves your, leaves your team. But, you know, it is what it is. On the Jets' side of things, I think they can be really good, but I, I don't know. I mean, I obviously – they had the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year last year. Um, Garrett Wilson won offensive, and, and Sauce Gardner won won the defensive rookie of the year. They still have really great pieces on the defense. Leonard Williams, obviously, you know, defensive tackle. And then, you know, they have a bunch of young wide receivers. They have Brees Hall who's coming back at running back. They also have Michael Cardi. And they just drafted two um, – I'm going to mess up his name – but the running back from Pitt, um, Abinaconda or whatever. He was really good at Pitt, so, you know, they, they got another piece there as well. So I think, that, you know, the Jets are doing a great job of bolstering this roster. And – taking advantage of the fact that, okay, they're going to be paying Aaron Rodgers a buttload of money, right? But they have such a young team to where all these guys are, on, are you know, they're star players, essentially. They're young stars. They're all on rookie contracts. So they're kind of taking the, 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 the opposite approach is what the Eagles did, where, you know, the Eagles have a lot of their best guys under contract, but they had Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal. So they were able to kind of, you know, move a bunch of pieces around at the deadline. You know, they got Ndamukong Sue, all that stuff. Whereas the Jets are kind of the opposite situation. You know, they're paying – only their quarterback a ton of money, uh, but they're paying a lot less for for all these other you know kind of kind of you know coming up and coming uh, stars in the league on you know on offense and defense. So I think they can be good. Um, do I think they win the AFC East? No, um, I think the Bills are, are definitely going to win that division still. Uh, do the Jet? Do I see the Jets going anywhere in the playoffs? No, right? I mean, 
the only player who has any relevant experience in the playoffs is Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. And yes, he's won a Super Bowl, but all he does is really choke in the playoffs, right? And 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 you're going to the AFC. And if there's anything I know about the AFC, it's that there's currently right now at least two Hall of Fame quarterbacks there, and probably you know eight of the ten top quarterbacks in the league. You know, so it's like one of those things where. It, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's they're in a good situation and in a different type of situation to be able to succeed, but I, I don't think they will. And, you know, obviously it's only the first year there and Aaron Rodgers on a two-year deal and maybe next year they, they turn around and it's amazing. But I, I think for, for where they're at right now and just kind of everything that they have have going on, I, I don't see it being a, a, a win-now type of situation. I think it being more of a, a process. And Aaron Rodgers is kind of at the state in his career where, you know, he – he can go to a team that has that needs a little bit more development, but he's going to be playing when those guys are kind of coming up on their fifth year options and kind of their you know getting their second contract in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is going to be over forty by that point, and it's like how how is he going to still be able to succeed? At the, is he going to be able to succeed at the level that he was when he kind of first came in slash when he was with the Packers in the last couple of years where he was still winning MVPs, right? And again, maybe he will, and and obviously Tom Brady kind of showed us all that that it's possible to do that, but. I'm just not sure if all of it's going to melt together this year, and especially because they're not even the best team in their own division, much less still having Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, like all these other guys in the AFC where you're going to have to go through them if you want to even make it like to the second round of the playoffs. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of my, my read on the whole situation from both ends. Yes, I, I think that's a very good read by Matt. Again, the AFC is just so tough, and it, it, it's you can't – make it far in the AFC without having a juggernaut team. That is very correct. But I, I'm going to go ahead and make an argument for the other side of things, which is I think they're immediately going to get they're, – they're immediately a top five, maybe even three contender in the AFC, and it's because of this. So Matt was saying essentially they have all the other pieces on a team that you want other than a quarterback that you need to make a, either a Super Bowl run or a really far run in the playoffs, AFC championship run, whatever – so essentially, they're just missing their quarterback, and they have been for the pat. Well, really, for last year, I mean, it was blatantly obvious that they were missing their quarterback, and basically, only their quarterback was their the quarterback position was the only position that they needed to fill, and they obviously were able to fill that with you know a veteran in Aaron Rodgers, who, like I said, is one of the best quarterbacks ever, and has won four MVPs and such. But here's a little stat or a couple stats that'll make maybe make you think that they're going to be one of the best in the NFL. Because if the if the rest of their team is so good and they only need a quarterback at, at, at the position, let me tell you about over the past three years what their quarterback position has looked like in comparison to the rest of the NFL. So over the past three years, their average passer rating has been 50, which has been the last in the NFL um, their average big time throws or the, the total number of big time throws, which is essentially throws like downfield and throws that have a really good chance of, of making a lot of yards and a touchdown um, as well. The amount of total amount of big time throws over the past three years has been 52. That's 31st in the NFL. So second to last in the NFL. Uh, they've had 87 turnover worthy throws over the past three years, which is 30th in the NFL. That's third to last in the NFL. And then last, lastly, but not least, is uh, the accuracy rate, meaning like the amount of throws that are on the receiver and that the receiver can make a play on, is has been 52.4% over the past three years. That is also last in the NFL. So essentially, the Jets quarterback position, like they, obviously it's, it's been a glaring need over the past three years. And really, it was last year that, that kind of highlighted that because they had a really good team around their quarterback, but they just couldn't figure out that position in particular. And you know by this point that in the NFL, in, in any football league, uh, you're not going to get anywhere without a, a at least decent, more than average quarterback. So um, now they've got Aaron Rodgers, who, again, is, is one of the most experienced guys playing football right now. And those stats, all of those stats, you know, passer rating, big-time throws, turnover-worthy passes, accuracy rate, all of that stuff is going to get – astronomically better when Aaron Rodgers comes in. So I think that they're going to be really, really good. Uh, I don't know what their odds to win the Super Bowl went to. Like, I don't know how big of a difference it was or how big of a leap leap it was. But I know I know that there was at least some kind of leap, and it was probably pretty substantial if I had to guess. Um, it's kind of like the Lions. I think the Lions are – they have, like, the ninth best odds at this point to win the Super Bowl. And if you think about what the Lions were just – two or three years ago. I mean, I think three years ago they went, or two years ago, they went like 
two and fifteen or something like that. I don't know. It was it, like they. Yeah, I mean they they were they drafted Agent Agent Hutchins second two years or yeah. last year. So yeah, exactly. The, the year before that, yeah, I mean they were bad enough to be the second overall pick. And now they have the ninth best odds to win the Super Bowl, which it, which they won't. It. Okay, they won't. Yeah, they so won't. So don't right. bet that the Lions win the yeah. Super Bowl. Jared Goff is not winning a Super Bowl. All right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But. It's just it's cool to see that because right it's you've got these really bad teams. I mean the Jets have been historically bad. I've I'm a Patriots fan. The, so the Jets real quick. The Jets actually I heard this stat. I think I, I think it was on a, uh, Scott Van Pelt does a podcast. The Jets are actually the they have they now have the longest playoff drought in of any team in any of the four major sports. Oh my gosh! Can you believe that the Jets? So it's been 12 years since the Jets made the playoffs, and it was broken by so the Mariners in the in the MLB. They made the playoffs last year. They made the wild card round. They lost, uh, and then the Kings this year made the playoffs, yeah. obviously too. So those two were like, I think north of 20 years since they made the playoffs yeah. last. So they, I mean, they kind of both in like span of six months both kind of broke that streak. But now the Jets are sitting here, and it's just like you got to think back too, because like you know, in the in the late 2000 before you know 2009 2010. When you know Mark Sanchez was there, they had an amazing defense. Rex Ryan was their head coach, and they were, they got to I think two out of three AFC championships in yeah. the span of you know that time. They beat the Patriots a couple of times, so it, it it was a good run. But basically, since then, it, they have been you could say the worst team across professional sports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's great to see teams like this winning. Obviously, I like I said, I'm a Pats fan, and that's not really good for me because they're in the Pats division. But the, I mean, the Pats are definitely at this point. The Pats are far in last in that division. I mean, you've got Miami, New York Jets, and Buffalo all in one division. The AFC East is one of the best divisions in football at this point um, with you know with this trade too. So that's that's another repercussion of this trade is that the Pats are kind of just – they're at their uh, at their worst right now, I would say. But they may even get worse. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But not really focused on too much on them right now. I'm, I'm kind of hyped up about what's going on around the rest of the league, especially with, during draft season. It's so cool to see – what happens and, and you know who goes where and what teams become become a contender essentially just from one one weekend in April. So that's gonna wrap up today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was a really good episode. We th- this last part from like like the past ten minutes or so, we actually had to pause the our recording and go help our dad with something outside. Shout out to all you kids who um, had to help their had had to help their dad outside with yard work or something like that when they were little still happens to us. I'm 21 and Matt's 24 and it still happens. So just saying it uh, doesn't really get better in that sense of things. But yes, we are, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. I know it's kind of shaky the last 10 minutes, but it's because we, we paused and we kind of got out of our, out of our element for a little second there, but we had to get back locked in for the last 10 minutes. So thank you guys as always for listening. We will be out coming out with another episode, probably Tuesday ish, maybe yeah, I, I, I want to get it out Tuesday. Um, I'm finishing finishing up classes this week, so essentially after Tuesday this week, um, I will have a lot more time on my hands, to say the least. And that's very good for the podcast, as you guys know if you've been listening. So with that being said, um, we are going to say goodbye, and we will see you guys with an NHL slash NBA episode playoff first round playoff series recap early next week.